everybody welcome to the 66th edition of the holy backboard podcast i'm dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling i mean i'm just excited to be talking blazers man after that big news like i woke up looked at my phone and i'm like oh well today's gonna be a busy day and then just texted you the photo of uh our boy getting traded but we have a fantastic guest so I'm, i'm i'm hyped before we introduce our fantastic guest, uh, Evan, we're going to have to pump the brakes on that real quick. Is this our first emergency podcast? Easily, yeah. So it's only fitting that we have our most frequent guest join us for our very first emergency podcast, Evan McCarthy, a.k.a. Evan M. Thank you so much for joining us on this yeah, Sunday okay. uh, evening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I saw the news like everyone else on Twitter was blowing up. There's no avoiding it. We're all going to talk about it. I just saw Beyonce's performance. I'm excited to break that down at the Grammys. Let's go, Beyonce. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about it, man. I, I, I was being a little nerd and replaying Grand Theft Auto 4 on my Xbox One, so there was no Beyonce performance watching for me. I was just. Are we re- not? Is this not the the Queen Bay Slay All Day podcast? Like, Mike, I'm confused. I thought I called into that. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to break down Beyonce, man. No, all jokes aside, exciting day for Portland, I get. I mean, it's funny because we do talk about emergency pod. I've always wanted to be a part of an emergency pod, but it's such a Portland thing to be like, oh, it's about trading Mason Plumley. All right, let's go. Oh, let's hell yeah. I was driving to Astoria with Olga. I felt my phone buzz and I just had this this, this tingle, this, this inkling. And I was like, it's probably Sage. He better have some fucking trade news to text me. I, you know, I'm driving, so I get my phone out. I'm like, Olga, tell me what it is. He's like, we made a trade. I'm like, holy shit. Like, so we spent like half the drive from Portland to Astoria talking about the trade, texting everybody I knew, calling my mom, trying to like calm her down to it because she loves Plumley, letting her know it is a great trade. But it was just funny how I just felt like something was in the air and it happened to be that at first I thought it was just Plumley for for Nurkic, and I was like, okay, that that's fine, that'll do. But then I found out we got Memphis's pick in this draft along with it, and Sage, we have been talking about this for a few weeks now on the podcast. We would have just taken like the Wizards pick and Jason Smith for Plumley, let alone getting Nurkic, who is a young big. Uh, for everyone who has been down on Olshay, I was giving him until this deadline, possibly the end of the regular season. He really did what he had to do um, in this deal, and I don't think they're done either. I think it was really slick that he traded Mason Plumley for a guy who's also on a rookie scale contract. Because when I was looking at all of the potential trades we could make, I basically had to add Festus Azili to that just to make it so we could actually make big boy trades. So him also getting a cost controlled big was a brilliant move and the the Memphis pick but it it, it was a very it was, it was a very good uh trade on I would say both parts honestly Evan what what was your knee jerk reaction Well at first when I I saw I was of the mind that Mason Plumley was not going to be on this roster next season I thought he had played himself into a bigger contract all year and I would I talked to my friends about it like man he's going to get paid by someone He's the one dude on the Blazers who consistently showed up game after game, brought the energy. Like, you could never make that argument against him. He showed up every game. So I didn't think he was going to be on the rest roster next season. So when I saw that we traded him for Nurkic, I thought that was fine. Um, I have a buddy who actually lives in Denver. Uh, he's a he's from Portland, big Blazer fan, lives in Denver. And I, I hit him up. I'm like, what's going on? And we both talked it over. It's like, it's I think it's a great trade for Portland. I don't understand what Denver's doing. If they do want Plumley long term, then don't you wait for him to become a restricted free agent and make an offer on him? Like, why did you have to give up a first round pick to get him? It, it, I'm it not made... certain if they have cap room or not. Sage, do you have any insight on that? I think they do because almost everyone's on a cost control contract besides like Wilson, who's I think like at eight, and uh, Gallo's at thirteen, but he's a, has a player option. And from what I was reading is like they that Denver might be excited at the prospect of him paying him and him coming off the bench. But again, it's like, did you need to give a first round pick to get him? Like it, it made no like no sense to me. 
Because they well, maybe, they, their- maybe they had to give up a first round pick. Maybe Neil had another buyer on the line that was willing to um, blow the first round pick, just like what we're he- hearing with Julio Okafor. It was reported earlier this week that the Pelicans were going to get him for a protected, a lottery protected 18 pick and um, Ajinka. However, they've kind of separated from that, and now we're hearing the multiple teams are involved in Okafor, and now there might be some sort of bidding war. Maybe Neil had that in his back pocket and was like, okay, this is the deal we want. We want Nurkic. Give us that first round pick or we'll do business elsewhere. Um, if you're Denver, though, you kind of feel good about it in a sense that the first time you guys traded with Portland, it worked out well in their favor. They ended up with Will Barton in a first round pick for, we got, what, two months of Aaron Aflalo. Um Yeah. When I first heard this trade, my initial thought was we finally got our revenge for that trade because it feels like we got the better player long term. And we got that first round pick asset. Well, I mean, I mean, they they have the Memphis pick. I think Mason Plumlee is already better than whoever the twenty first first pick will yield. You mentioned Will Barton, and I think Nurkic and uh, Will Barton have are completely two different players. But there was no way Will Barton was ever going to get the playing time to become the player he is on Denver. So they made that trade. I think with Nurkic, he there's no way he's gonna become the player that he could potentially be on the Nuggets because of Jokic's excellent play. So I I think, in a way, like, I sort of saw the correlation between the the two players, but when I watched Nurkic play later in the year, he was checked out. I could tell that because, I mean, it's tough to get for a big man to get rhythm in 19 minutes a game, maybe. He was getting DNPs, he was getting a lot of, like, less and less minutes because of Jokic is his wonderful play. So I, I, I definitely, he was definitely a sunk cost for him. And you mentioned the pick Memphis's pick, whether it's 20 to 23, anywhere in that range being um, Mason Plumlee already being a better value than that. I, I agree right now. Plumlee has a likelihood, probably 60 to 70% of being better than that player. We pick over the duration of their career. However, there is that 25 to 30% chance that Portland hits a home run, maybe even a triple with that pick, finds a late round gem. And with Portland not being an attractive free agent destination, um, their salary cap really tied up for quite some time. This is really the only way they can take a chance and build a contender. Similar to what the Bucks did when they swung um, and, and hit big with Giannis. They did the same thing with Thon Maker. Portland's a small market team. We're never going to get free agents to sign here. We have to have a chance. You give Neil Olshay three chances in the draft, chances are he's going to do a damn good job. So I think this is for Portland. It's all about the risk. It's all about that chance. It's like when you buy a lottery ticket. You're probably not going to win, but there's a chance that that could be a $10 payoff, could be a 50. You may even hit the $10,000 grand prize. However, you're, you're, you know, you only paid two bucks for that. I kind of see the same similarities with Portland giving up Plumlee, who, like Evan mentioned, Brought it every night, but due to the fact of how his contract laid out, he was not a restricted free agent last year. He was this year. Portland's underperforming. It, the writing was on the wall, so Portland had to get what they could for Mason because you don't want to a sign him for sixteen to eighteen million for not even a mediocre team right now, and b you just can't let him walk for nothing. So I think Neil did what he had to do in this this deal. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, it boils down to the fact that Mason Plumley was not going to be on our roster next year. Do you want to get something for him or do you want him to just leave in free agency and sign somewhere else? Because we were not going to pay him 15 to $18 million a year. If you want to criticize Olshay, and I know a lot of fans out there love Plumley, I do too. Who doesn't love Mason Plumley? You want to criticize Olshay, you got to do it for the previous offseason for the contracts he signed that made it so we can't sign Plumley. And even if we were able to sign Plumley, like you said, like you said, we're not a good team. We won't want to keep re-signing guys to continue to not be a good team. Like something's got to give. They've got to shake it up a little bit here. And I mean, if you can get a first round draft pick in a draft that's supposed to be loaded, you do it, which is what he did. I mean, I think it's a no brainer. So we've talked about the trade, how we feel about it. Let's go into how does Mason Plumley fit in Denver? Before we talk about Nurkic in Portland, I want to know your thoughts how does Plumlee fit in Denver alongside Kenneth Reed, Jokic? Uh, Denver already couldn't find time for Nurkic. So do you see Plumlee playing more of the four? Um, I do like the passing with, with Jokic and Plum, but he might be coming off the bench. I'm just not certain this is a great fit for Denver. 
I think it's a potentially a good fit because of the passing. They don't have to change their offense up at all if Plumlee starts out at the second unit. They don't have to change it up at all. They can just run the same thing, pass it to the big, make him do all the good choices on the passing. I, I kind of like it for that. And you can say that uh, Ken Fareed's not as good as Plumlee. He can start along Jokic, and it'd be fine. It'd be like the most... The, the best passing big team in the last 10 years. So I, I, I kind of see how Plumlee could just learn from Jokic and help. I, I think it's just a, a, a pick to help Jokic uh, develop. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's it's interesting. I, I, I honestly don't know what their plans are long-term with Plumlee. I, if I had to guess, I would think that he would probably come off the bench Portland kind of put them in a tough position because we showcased him as a starter this entire year in part in last year. So he's played well for a team last year where we were good. He played well in the playoffs. He's played well this year. So now he's in a position where he's going to hit the market where like, well, is he like, what type of money deserve? Is it in between a starter and a bench player, bench players type money? And then is he going to be fine coming out after he's been starting for the past year? Is he going to be fine coming off the bench in another situation? I know as a restrictor free agent, he doesn't really have a say in it. If Denver wants to match whatever team offers, he's going to have to take it. Um, I don't, I honestly don't know if he's going to, if, if he's part of, I would hope that he's going to be a part of their plan moving forward because then otherwise this deal makes no sense. They just basically gave us a first rounder and swapped a dude that just doesn't get minutes on their bench for a guy that's not going to be the next year. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And they get a second rounder in 2018, I guess. Yeah, I'm looking at some of uh, the, the, the grades. Um, ben Golliver of Sports Illustrated gave Portland a C plus, gave Denver a B plus. However, Kevin Pelton uh, of ESPN.com gave Denver a C minus and Portland a B plus. And here's why I'm really concerned. If if I'm a Nuggets fan, um, I'm going to read a, a paragraph from, from Pelton's article. He says, defensively, however, I don't see how it works. Neither Jokic nor Plumlee is quick enough to defend most of the league's power forwards, and Plumlee isn't the kind of elite rim protector you'd want next to Jokic if the Nuggets wanted to take him out of that role. Um, essentially, I think Denver's probably acquired a very expensive backup basketball player for that specific roster. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, in a vacuum, I, I saw Ben Gulliver's uh, piece. Like Ben, he and I you know, met a few times, nice guy. Don't agree with his grades. In a vacuum, if you look at just this trade on paper for what we did in Denver, what you know, what happened, and it's got to be higher than C plus for the Blazers. Are you kidding me? Again, Mason Plumlee's not going to be on this team next season. You've got to get something for him. I don't know if there was another deal out there that was better for Mason Plumlee. Uh, I feel like a first rounder and a, a like you guys mentioned a uh, a big that comes in on not a big contract. Who, I mean, this is Neil O'Shea's special, right? He goes and cherry picks these guys who aren't getting time and minutes in places where they have potential. You got uh, Mo Harkless, Noah Vonley, Mason Plumley. We traded, what, Steve Blake and a draft pick for him, and he wasn't doing much in Brooklyn, and we gave him a shot. Um, I think it's hard to say the Blazers got a C. Plus. I mean, that's, I don't know, that's a little harsh, I think. So we're talking grades. Evan, what, what's your trade for, for Portland, and, and what's your grade for, for Denver? Mmm. I mean, a B for, I think it's a solid B for Portland. For Denver, I, I just don't, it's like an incomplete. I don't know what their plan is for Plumlee. If if they re-sign him, I mean, I was talking to Sage earlier, like, are they that desperate to make the eight seed? Because as, as a team, I'm sure we'll get into it later, uh, they can have the eight seed. I don't want the eight seed anymore, especially after Evan Turner going down and, and this trade happening. I don't know. C for them, I guess. Sage, what are your thoughts? I, I'd give it a... B plus because I think which team Blazers I think Blazers get a B plus because we get an asset in Yo at Nurkic and the 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 pick but we also are gonna be a worse team for our own draft pick and I I think you have to include that in any trade so I get I I give us a B plus and then I get it for Denver I think they got to experiment I'll give them a C plus. Yeah, I'll agree with you. C-plus for Denver feels about right. I think it, if it hits, it's really going to hit. Um, and if it doesn't, they didn't give up a whole lot. Nurkic was never really going to play for them. And the pick is 20-23. to 23. It really feels like that a Flalo trade all over again. It didn't hit, but in the end, we really only gave up Will Barton and 
um, a late lottery pick, or excuse me, a late pick in the teens in a weak draft. So Denver's trying to take their shot, but I still am not certain how that's going to fit or or work for them long term. C plus Portland, I, I have to give it an A. I've been wanting Mason Plumlee gone since I knew this season was lost for quite some time. I wasn't certain we were going to be able to get a first round pick from him, especially in a really deep draft, let alone getting a player at 22 and Nurkic who has potential to be a really strong big. Plumlee is the better player right now, hands down. Nobody is going to debate that. But he does turn 27 and he's closer to his peak than what Nurkic is. And I've watched some some film on Nurkic um, in preparation for this podcast. And he has a nasty streak to him. He talks a lot of shit after making big plays, whether it's LeBron or Marcus And I fucking love that. This team needs to quit being so damn nice. And yes, they're all great guys. And I love that. But you need an asshole on your team. I mean, look at Golden State. They have Draymond. Look at the Bulls when they, when they, they had Rodman. And the bad boy. OKC, OKC like, was Steven Adams. I love Steven Adams. They have you, you, every team just needs a jerk. Like you need a player on your team who everybody else hates and would love to have on their team. I'm not saying Nurkic is going to be that for Portland, but he has a chance to be that. Oh, he definitely has the only, potential of getting, being he's that. He's only 22 years old, and he is on yes. such a team-friendly contract. We're talking $1.9 million this year, 2.97 in 2018, and then he has a qualifying offer for $4.1 million in 2019. It's essentially like when we got Plumlee, we're getting a lot of you know cost-controlled, team-friendly deals. And especially after last summer, that's what Portland should be looking to do. I just don't know how much better this trade could have been for Portland on paper. Yeah, in a vacuum, I think it's a really good deal. Sage, how do you see, obviously we're not going to get to see Nurkic Monday night against Dwight Howard and the Atlanta Hawks, but... Coming up, Portland has quite a few games against uh, a lot of quality bigs. I mean, we're talking Rudy Gobert and the Jazz, um, Brooke Lopez and the New Jersey Nets. Um, I believe we play Orlando with Voos and then Philadelphia with Joel, Joel Embiid. Uh, how does Nurkic, how is he going to, to fit on this roster, especially considering how much of a playmaker Mason Plumley was at the five? Nurkic is kind of the complete opposite. He's more defensive focused. He's more of that traditional bowl, that, that bear down low. So how is he going to fit into Portland and defensively? What will he provide against those big centers? Every time I've watched him against like a traditional big, he's a feisty, feisty low post defender. He's not going to jump high and block shots like a Tyson Chandler would, but he's going to irritate the fuck out of whoever he's guarding post defense wise. I actually think he has some tools offensively. I see a few post moves. He's not he's a skilled big. I mean he, he can pass, but he is not Mason Plumley. So I think we have to adjust the scheme accordingly to fit a tr- more traditional big down in the post. But I think against tra- traditional bigs, he's gonna frustrate them. He's gonna make their live living hell for thirty minutes. What I am worried about is how are we gonna do against those teams that are small ball? He he he's he's two he's seven feet two eighty. He's not gonna be able to run around like against the Houston Rockets or the New Orleans Pelicans, teams that are more small ball oriented. So that's what I'm a little bit worried about when uh uh thinking about Nurkic, but other than when it's a traditional big, I feel fine. I think you need to make them pay on the offensive end. That means if they're gonna go small, then we need to bang you down low. I mean it's exactly what the Kings with Cousins, the Grizzlies with Marcus Gasol, again, not comparing him to, to them talent-wise, but in terms of uh, playing style, they just make you pay, and they'll, they'll go down, they'll, they'll, they'll take their wins on the offensive end, and they'll, they'll see if you can match up on the defensive end. Um, it's kind of like who's, who's be- whose strength is going to you know best the other opponent, and it, it'll be interesting to find out. So, do you think we're going to slow down pace a little bit now to uh, for Nurkic because he's not gonna he's not gonna run at a fast pace for offense a lot. Or do you think we'll slow it down a little bit, like maybe like the fifteenth or an average pace team, or do you think we'll keep it running? I think the pace is all gonna stay the same. What you won't see is Nurkic bring the ball up the court like Mason has shown um, tendencies to do and shown a lot of success at. It'd but be hilarious though if <laughs> you know if you if you've got Nurkic and then. You know, whether you've got Myers playing those backup minutes, whatever, you want to split the minutes, you know, in half, 24-24, twenty-four, 
you say you've got your 24 minutes, bust your ass, get up and down the floor. Yeah, you're a big guy, but you know, cardio, train. Well, let's get going. Um, I don't think Nurkic is the type of player you completely change your style of play for. I mean, he's he's not Cousins, he's not Gasol. So I would expect to see more of the same in terms of pace. However, I think that in the half court is where I'm really interested to see. Does he have any passing skills? Can he pass out of the post? Um, if Mason Plumley is, is not there, which he's not, who is going to be in the high post? Will it be Vonley? It's just going to be really interesting to see how, how Terry Stotts incorporates him in that offensive system. And for a team that is, you know, 23 and 31, and to be honest, been very frustrating and difficult to watch at times. This gives you another reason to turn on the TV and watch the Blazers to see, you know, who they've got, you know, going into next season and to really watch how this team gels, how quickly they can incorporate, you know, Nurkic into the scheme and just really how does, how does it look and feel? Like we can analyze this and give our best takes, but until we see that product on the floor, you know, we might as well just be picking, you know, straws and whoever gets a short one wins. We just really can't predict that. Um, it will be interesting to see if he does play in Utah on Wednesday. Uh, that's the last game before the All-Star break. And it's going to take him some time to get used to to the Blazer system. One, he hasn't played hardly at all this year. He's been racking up DNP um, coaches' decisions like crazy. And two, we saw how a veteran Evan Turner took. He took forever to get acclimated to the Blazers. It's going to take some time. So if he starts, you know, putting up shitty numbers or looking like trash, let's not be so knee jerk to be like, oh, this was a terrible trade. Give him some time. That that's all I ask, Blazer fans. Just just give him some time. And if you talk shit, have you seen what his father looks like? Oh yeah, he is a big bear, like a refrigerator. He's seven feet, four hundred pounds, and he's a cop. So I, I, I yo, I, I would keep the shit talking to a minimum because that that. That family's kind of frightening, man. Seven feet, 400 pounds? Fuck that, yo. I'm going to be as complimentary as humanly possible to him, at least online. So now that the first trade is in the books, we still have, I believe, like 11 days until the deadline. Uh, Zach Lowe from from ESPN, one one of the most respected sports writers out there, says, you know, Portland's not done. This could be the first of many for them. Um... What do you expect Neil Olshay to do? Who are the players that, that now that Mason is gone, who who do you expect gets gets dealt, or do you think Neil is is going to be done? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it many, many, many times. We know, and part of the problem we've had in the Neil Olshay area is that we've kind of fed into his naivety and the fact that when he first got here, he built the roster on the fact that this last offseason we're going to have a ton of free caps uh, cap space and that we'll sign someone. We're all naive to think that that could happen because as Blazer fans for years, we know that free agents don't like impactful free agents don't sign here. So we kind of the process was kind of stunted where we thought we could sign someone. And now I think he's reshifting his focus and understanding that it's draft and trade. Um, I think having three first round picks is huge, obviously, especially in this type of draft. I don't know if we make I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't make a deal before the deadline but more in the off season. And the thing is, we, we talk about how you can't sign a huge, uh, uh, impactful free agent, but there are trades out there that can happen. Like more recently, the biggest one is obviously James Harden. Like he was, came off the bench for OKC. Houston took a risk and it obviously paid off like crazy. James Harden's not a guy that we could sign in free agency, but someone like, is there someone out there that we can get in a trade, uh, to bring him in? and have a kind of an impact like that. Obviously not James Harden's MVP this year. It's going to be really hard to get someone like that. But you know what I mean? Where there are people out there in trade that can be God. Uh, yeah, I and that's don't... why I like this as almost like, a, I call this the Neil Olshay special. Young player, tons of potential. His value is super low. I mean, where have we seen that before? Mo Harkless, uh, Robin Lopez to a certain extent. Not so much young, but um, really underutilized when he was with the New Orleans Hornets at the time. And he became one of our, our, our better starting centers we've had. Uh, this feels right up Neil's alley. Um, that's why I was so interested in getting guys like maybe Jalil Okafor or Willie Colley Stein from Sacramento when, when his name was being, you know, reported on, on the trading block earlier this year. We've all said this free agency is going to be impossible to, to build this team. So Portland needs to, to take their shot by, by going after people with, with low value and hoping they can revitalize their career in Portland. It is really, one of the more difficult ways to build a contender, but when you're dealt the hand you're dealt by playing in, you know, a smaller market, 
That's really what we have to do. And if you go back throughout history, all of the great Blazer teams were built on draft or draft and a couple trades. I can't think of one free agent acquisition that really put us over the top. Um, Brian Grant was probably the best free agent acquisition of my generation. And um, even at the time, that was considered pretty, pretty small. Like, I mean, Brian Grant uh, came left Sacramento to come to Portland. So it just doesn't happen for agency wise. So I would look for Neil Olshay to find more of those guys. You know, he tried with Von Ley. He, he tried with uh, Shabazz Napier. Uh, I mentioned Mo Harkless, uh, Thomas Robinson. He, he's taken his, his chance. Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley. I mean, that, that turned out to be a good deal. Like, I remember really wanting to keep Rondé Hollis Jefferson, but going out at full circle, we really gave up Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Steve Blake, got Pat Connaughton, a pick and a better draft, and Nurkic. So I would say Portland came out on top if we're looking at it from a, you know, a 10,000 foot view. I'm just really excited to see what Nurkic can do next year when he has an offseason to gel with the team to get in better shape for what he's going to have to do. I'm excited for that because I could see him being an 18.8, not 10 rebound type of guy if he's, if we actually put a focus on helping him develop in this scheme. I really could see something really fantastic coming out of this trade just by him being motivated. I mean, look at his, look at the team around him. There's no one who can compete with him in any post aspect. So I'm really ready to see what he can do next year. Um, As for trades, I could see like Ed Davis, uh, Myers, Festus. I know Festus, there's a lot of rumors that we're trying to trade him. I would say those are the three most likely players to get traded. I would be super bummed if Vonley or uh, Mo got traded. Agreed. I would also throw AC's name in there just because... Oh, I didn't say AC. Yeah, so I I think we're all in unison. I think it's Ed, Myers, Festus, AC. We could see those guys go. I hope we don't trade Festus and give up anything because we can just cut him and his contract is... Yeah, after this year, yeah. Yeah, we only pay him $1 million uh, next year, so let's not rush to trade Festus unless we're getting something decent in return. Is decent Uh, being like a second-round pick? Yeah, something like maybe multiple because we're trying to help teams get to the salary floor. I mean, that's what the rumors have been saying. There's quite a few teams that still need to get to the salary floor. But... Uh, before we sign off on this emergency podcast, uh, I'd like to ask both you guys, what will you miss most about Mason Plumley? It is overall um, a human business. Uh, it, that's the sad part about this is you're really uprooting a person and moving him from his home during the season to Portland. Now he's got to go uh, to Denver. So that's always the part that I tend to look over until I've had some time to digest the trade is it's, you know, you're really uprooting somebody. So I'd uh, like to thank Mason for, for, you know, his year and a half in Portland and want to get your thoughts on your favorite aspect of watching Plumlee play uh, over his short tenure in, in Rip City. His uh, really good playmaking skills, the way he can handle the ball was probably my favorite thing about Mason Plumlee. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I touched on it earlier. I mean, especially in a year that's been so frustrated this season, the one guy you could point to and say that guy busts his ass every night. It's Mason Plumlee. Like that, he just goes out there unapologetically, doesn't care, just plays hard. And unfortunately, this year wasn't as infectious, obviously, but you could always count on him to give it his all, which I really respect. Um, that will be missed. That's a definite it, skill set. It will be, and then it's it's interesting. I mean, we I'm sure you guys saw the quotes. Like it's supposedly Dame and CJ are re- they're really like beaten up over this. Like they don't understand. They didn't understand how out of all the guys that we traded, it was him. Which is interesting, but uh, I mean that—that's just the impact he has, I guess, on the guys around him. So, you know, hopefully in Denver he, he'll bring—he'll obviously bring the same thing to Denver. That's one part of your game that translates no matter where you go is if you just fucking show up and try, which he has that gene that doesn't go away. So um, that Denver can definitely look forward to that. I would say obviously the passing was was great. I loved when he would hit somebody on a backdoor cut. But I really loved his athleticism at the five spot, something we really haven't seen in Portland. Maybe since, I, I don't even know. Um, I've been a fan since 1990. I can't remember a, an ath- a more athletic center we've had. I wish we would have done more pick and rolls where we would I lob agree, it up man. to him. I agree, man. I was just going to say that. Yeah, we underutilized it down, you know, get the Chris Paul to, to DeAndre type of connection going. We, we did it a few times, but we just didn't do enough of it. 
and I loved watching him just just bang on dudes. Um, the reverse dunks, he was so nimble around the rim. Uh, really loved his athleticism and his authority uh, throwing it down. So I'll definitely miss him. I was telling Olga in the car um, on the way to Astoria that, you know, if we were having the type of season we were projected to have, you know, fighting for that third seed, um, really owning home court advantage, running away with the division, you definitely keep plumbling. You keep this team around. But he was just a product of having the wrong contract at the wrong time. And, you know, the team just didn't live up to expectations. And this is kind of like um, the result of a poor season. So uh, really nothing personal. I, I think Neil just in the end, it, it is a business and he did have to do um, what he had to do. So I think that is going to to wrap up our emergency podcast once again. Um, Evan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if Absolutely. you like this podcast, if you you know you like what you're hearing, definitely subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us that five star rating. We're also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play at Holy Backboard PDX, and you can find us on social uh, Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram uh, at Holy Backboard. Sage, Evan, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I got something real quick. Uh, if you, for anyone who's listening, who's um, kind of aware of my brand, the Portland-based Evan M Clothing stuff. I just went and changed up my pricing all lower than they've normally been. So go check out the site. Willamette Week, a couple of days ago, gave me a shout out uh, in one of their uh, blogs online. And I got some more traffic, figured I would drop the price on a lot of my stuff. So go to evanem.com, E-V-A-N-E-M.com. I've got some Portland-based uh, tees um, that are all marked down. So go check that out for sure. The hottest of hot fire, man. Appreciate that. And now I'm affordable. waiting. I'm waiting for that. Um... Neil Olshay as Mr. Burns, excellent t-shirt where it says, like, <laughs> all of your draft picks are belong to me. <laughs> shout out to Isaac Rob, by the way, just as an aside. Shout out Isaac Rob. Hey, man. Radio and broadcasting when you're not doing it all yourself, bro. That's such a tough industry, man. I mean, I, I got fired on some bullshit. You'll, he'll bounce back. And if he wants a podcast with Sage Digital, he's totally welcome. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks again for hopping on. Uh, it's Saturday, or excuse me, it's Sunday night. Uh, you know we had to discuss this trade. I think there might be a couple more before the February 23rd trade deadline. Um, until then, until our next podcast, let's go, Trailblazers. We got some dope content, man. I, th- I think you'll be hearing from us a few times this week, which I'm really excited for. That was good. Good times. Good yeah. talks. Yeah, oh, man. shit. No, no, no. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. Oh. There's, I was gonna say, add this back in. There's questions. Oh, yeah, we got we shit questions. for the questions. Well, there's a people... ton of there's a ton of questions. <laughs> well, honestly, I'm not changing shit. We're just we're just gonna say goodbye and then like eight more minutes of talking. <laughs> yeah. All right. So from my buddy Demir at to design uh, conquer on Twitter, a stork with Demir back um, at the Trailblazers. He is stoked that he has a fellow countryman to root for, um, both Bosnian and. He wants to know, with Plumley, does Denver have the edge for the eighth seed? I mean, yo, when I, when I think of Demir, man, I think of him playing basketball against him and stealing the ball from him like three times. So shout out to him, man. Back when Sage was able to play basketball at sort of a high level. But I, I think definitely Denver has the, the eighth seed locked up. I don't I don't see any other team that wants to have a – wants to just – take the L against the Warriors and then have the worst draft pick. Like I, I just could see the Kings wanting to keep their pick. The Blazers wanting the best possible and the Pelicans wanting the best possible. Yeah. I mean, with Evan Turner's injury, it's, it's interesting because when Evan Turner came in the starting lineup with Vonley, it looked like they were starting to make a turn, but now with his injury and this trade, it's obvious the Blazers it's, I, I think we're going to see a lot more Condon, a lot more Myers Leonard, a lot more Ed Davis. Jake Lehman got recalled. I, I don't think the Blazers want anything to do with the eight seed. Um, so unless it's one of those, it's unless it's the Pelicans or Kings, and I mean Denver, go nuts, please. Bite your tongue yeah. about New Orleans, man. Bite your tongue. Hey, if they want the eight seed, man, that's yeah, it's theirs. I'm still worried we might catch Denver. They're at 24 and 30. We're at 23 and 31. Only a game difference. Uh, I really want no part of the eight seed. I just don't want to go through four games of you know, the superiest of all super teams. So I really hope Plumlee gives them that advantage. Um, but I just don't think Denver's super great right now. I know we're not great at all, but think of how shitty we played. We're one game out of the playoff spot. So 
I could still see us getting the eighth seed in terms of the edge. Um, I, I don't know. I think the teams are still pretty even. I don't think Plumlee um, switches it too much in either direction because, you know, Nurkic is actually going to get a chance to play and he's, you know, pretty good big. It might take us some while to get acclimated. But I think the point that we're all missing is Evan Turner's being, you know, out four to five weeks now. Uh, you know, Evan brought that up on a couple of occasions. And I, I, don't, I think people are kind of overlooking that. Um, that's going to hurt Portland. So the Evan Turner injury gives Denver the edge, not necessarily uh, the Mason Plumley deal in my mind. Uh, moving on, uh, Kim Thrasher says, sad plum dog is gone, but I think we got the good end of the deal. Uh, I think all three of us are in unison there as well. Um, long story longer, OG listener, one of our favorites. Um, a couple of thoughts. Uh, she says, um, love to hear your thoughts on Mace and what future changes are even possible with all of our big contracts. Um, any more uh, trades soon? And she just wants to know, what the fuck does next season hold? Is it a train wreck? A little redemption? What are your thoughts, boys? All right, I'll go first. Um, the thing, the, the whole thing that fucked up everything for this season was the fact that we outperformed last season's expectations. It threw every everything off course, right? The way we're playing now is probably the team that we are. But last year we outperformed. We outperformed expectations. We got lucky in the playoffs with the Clippers getting hurt. So it threw everything off. It threw every it threw free agency off last year, where Neil felt it was fine in the end to just sign all these guys because hey, we made it to the second round the previous season. So next season, I don't think I think next seasons will be more optimistic than this season. I think uh, our expectations has gotten back down to a normal level, right? So we're not going to have the same aspirations heading into the end of next season. I mean, it's all going to depend on what we do with these three picks. If you package them for an impact player or if you draft, it's really going to depend on all that. Do you think um, there's a chance I, we trade all three for, like, a, an actual player? Dude, I mean, I'm the minority in thinking this. Like, total minority. People want to kill me for thinking this. I I mean, the, the one guy's name who gets floated out all the time is someone like Jimmy Butler, if the Bulls want to pull the plug on that. Would you would you not trade someone like CJ and one or one or two of those picks for Jimmy Butler? I would. You would or wouldn't? I wouldn't, and I'll t- I'll tell you why. I want to keep the picks. I want to get as young as possible, and I completely agree. Last season changed everything. If we had been terrible and gotten a lottery pick, expectations are down. We're not talking Western Conference Finals. We're not talking Mason Plumlee triple double watch. We're not talking Damian Lillard being in the MVP conversation. Expectations go to, okay, we won, what, 30 games last year? Let's try to win 35. What happened for me was on July 4th, 2016, when Kevin Durant went from OKC to Golden State and completely shifted the competitive balance of the NBA for the next four to five years. I don't think if we get Jimmy Butler, if we get DeMarcus Cousins, even with this current team, that we have any shot against the Warriors. And it really fucking sucks to think that. So that's why I'm so in favor of going full draft, full rebuild. I still think you can keep Dame and CJ because they're still young enough. But Durant really fucked us all on this one, guys. I agree. I agree with that 150%. So that's the the only reason why I said no to Butler because you're losing CJ and then a pick to get maybe a little bit better. But we're still nowhere close to the Warriors. I think long and hard about it and then... It, it really depends on where the pick is. I mean, if it's in the top four, I would not do it. I think my top four, I would rather have any of those picks than, like, anyone in the last, like, three years outside of Cat and maybe Embiid. This draft, I, I really love the players, so. Yeah, no, for me, it's weird. I mean, reading between the lines of CJ and Dame's comments, I wonder, because we, again, last year fucked everything up, I wonder if because they've had the taste of success, what is going through their mind of like, oh, great, we're going to potentially draft three guys in the first round. You know, they're they're entering their prime. They're not like in their prime necessarily or they haven't peaked, obviously. But like in their minds, are they thinking like we're going to bring on three young guys and we're going to, you know, try to do this again? Or can we again? I mean, Kevin Durant going to Golden State that fucked everything up. We're not going to compete with them. But like. Are they cool with like, all right, maybe these next couple years we're not going to maybe sniff an eight seed and we just build from there? Or they're like, well, we just won in the first round. We want to keep going. I mean, I, I don't know what's going through their mind. But I mean, um, that's a that's a great point, because, 
you're right. These two guys, they're they're both locked up for four to five more years on max deals. So they're really not going anywhere um, from all intents and purposes. They love it in Portland. Um, it, it's just it sucks that this season was such a disappointment because I would have been fine, you know, fighting for the second round again, maybe making a Western Conference finals push and knowing that Golden State was still going to whip our ass. Like I would have been fine with that. But the fact that we regressed so much. Um, it really changes everything, and um, I hope Damon and CJ are cool with it. Um, to be honest, we're still not that much of a different team swapping Plumley for Nurkic, and you know, once Turner gets back, we're still the same, a similar team to what we were last year. So I, I'm just, it all comes down to what really happened this year. Why are we in this position, and is it something that can be? you know, fixed? Is there a solution to what happened? Um, if not, then I, I, I think Neil's kind of figured that out and he's really going the draft route. And as a general manager, if you're ranking strengths, drafting is on the top of Neil Olshay's board as, as the best strength that he has. Um, and a couple years down the line, if we're still, you know, in the lottery and nothing's really come out of it, then I think you do Damon CJ a solid and you move them to a contending team. Um, I don't see that as an issue at all, but I think for these next two to three years, you're going to look at Portland, try to get younger, but they're also, I think it would be very valuable to maybe use your mid-level exception and bring a guy like, like a PJ Brown back in the day, a, a Kurt Thomas, some dude who has just been there and done that for like 12 to 13 years and can really provide a lot of mentorship for all your young players that you're bringing in. I, I think that if we're, I, I said this like a bajillion times. This year doesn't matter to me. What matters is us competing in 2018. So if Yosef Nurkic is going for 18 and 10, like I've said, and we got Jason Tatum and those two, I think they won't really care that this year kind of sucked. I mean, memory is just so faulty. You can think of like a miserable time in your life, but then 10 years later, think about it fondly. So I, I think that if if we're doing as well as we hope in 2018 2019 it really doesn't matter that this year sucked all right question from rip city robin with this trade is it safe to assume the 8th seed is out of the question and the quasi tank mode is in effect i mean well well this is a beautiful thing with i joked about this with some buddies it's like well we can trot out our guys and they can try and they're still kind of tanking i mean we're not good it's frustrating yeah, it's it's frustrating because we do compete in these games. It's it's interesting because last year it feels like we won a lot of close games, and this year it's kind of the opposite. It feels like we've lost a lot of close games. Um, I honestly, another thing I predict, I predict, you know, I predict we see a lot of those younger guys playing. I predict we might see a a random phantom quad injury for a Dame or a hamstring for a CJ and misses a few games. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't see us playing for the eight seed. I don't know why we would. Um, I think this trick. I think this trade kind of signifies it without them having to say it. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't want any part of the eight seed. I don't. No, no, thank you. Yeah, I don't want any part of of the eight seed either. Listeners uh, of the show know that's been my my mantra for for quite some time. Um, but I definitely don't think the eight seeds out of reach, regardless of of Mason Plumley moving on to Denver. Um, and I just don't see unless we start pulling Damon CJ from games citing rest, or we see a lot more Napier, a lot more Connaughton, Quarterman, Layman, you know, the closers. If the closers start getting regular run, which I don't think would be the worst thing in the world, then I think, you know, your quasi-tank could be in effect. Uh, with the way the season's going, I think we need to get a good hard look at really everybody outside of Damon, CJ. Um, so in a sense, the quasi-tank food, tank mode might be in effect, but I don't think the eighth seed's out of the reach at all. Um, it's just, it's a really weird drop off. You've got the Warriors, you know, in the first tier, the Spurs in the second tier, you've got, you know, the, the third tier, which is almost like rockets through, you know, maybe the jazz. And then you've got the Thunder Grizzlies and then just the West just drops off. Like the first seven teams are really respectable. And then it just any, you could grab any team from the bottom of the West and throw them in, in the eighth seed. And it, it would make sense. Just that's how jumbled up the bottom of the West is right now. So until we're mathematically eliminated, I'm going to say the eighth seed is completely in the question, especially considered how home heavy our schedule is going to really uh, look uh, once I think the last week of March hits. 
I, I, I just don't see us trying to compete now. Uh, I actually have a question. Is there any players that you guys really don't want us to be ha- uh, to get traded to the Blazers? Because I really don't want Jaleel before now. Now or before? I don't want him now. I didn't really want him. I, I mean, I did a lot of research on Jaleel because of all the, the Pel- Pelicans rumors. I, I just don't want him on my team. So that would be the one guy I'd just be like, oh, let's, let's take a pass on that one. I'd be cool with Okafor. I'm in the minority on that. Um, again, Neil Olshay, Neil Olshay special, number three pick in the 2015 draft, led Duke to a, a, a natty his freshman year. He didn't want to go to Philly. We all knew that. Philly was really a toxic environment for a long time. This is the first year they've actually had their heads on straight. Um, and he was drafted when they already had Embiid. Granted, he was hurt. Nerlens Noel, and they knew Sarge was going to come over. So it was just not a great fit from the start. I think this is going to be a grass is greener move. Wherever he goes, I think he's going to flourish. He's never going to be a good defensive big man, but I think his ceiling is above a Brook Lopez. And I think any team that's willing to gamble a, a first round pick on Okafor is going to really reap those rewards later on. Now, is he going to have to mature a little bit? Of course. You know, we saw him punch that that fan in Boston uh, last year um, on the street. I don't know if it's a fan, just regular citizen, you know, for talking shit. Um, so yes, he's going to have to mature. He's a young kid. He'd be a junior in college if, you know, he stayed, um, at Duke, but he again is a type of player who a franchise like Portland has to look to target. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a huge need now that we have Nurkic and it all depends on the cost, but I would say the player I don't want to see is, I don't want to see us trade picks for vets like a Paul Millsap or Serge Ibaka, anybody that's going to help us win this year. I don't want. I want long-term solutions for this team. Tell them, I know you're listening. Don't listen to them. We don't want Jaleel Okafor. <laughs> it will cause World War Eight for New Orleans fans if you trade for him. Just don't. I know you, you're getting there fired. There are no such thing as New Orleans fans. You know that, Sage. You're like one of nine. <laughs> no, I, I think that like for the New Orleans, there's like maybe 5,000 people in the world that care about this team, that team. Like for us, I think it's like tens of thousands. Give give the five thousand of us that actually give a shit about the team. Don't don't give us to Lil. <laughs> what what? Do yeah, you- and is well as far as the trade stuff goes for me, it's uh, as far as like not wanting some. I don't I I don't know what Olshay's gonna do. I think it would be in our best interest to not make another deal until the off season. Let these guys. I honestly think if if there's a trade to be made, it should be in the off season. And we should try to help build some of the guys on our team's value, which I think was the idea to begin with when we signed all these guys, was to showcase them. You know, last year, everyone had a higher value last year because we were good. This year, we're not good, so it's tougher. So if we spend the second half of the season playing these guys and showing kind of what they're worth, I think it would be in our best interest to look to make a deal in the offseason, especially as when the draft comes up. There's more hype around the guys coming out, so other teams might get more excited about the potential of bringing in someone new and fresh and being willing to deal someone. Um, you know, a certain certain team might be able to deal their players that they just don't think it's working out for them. That's an interesting point of view, and I would tend to agree, except I think really outside. So Festus obviously only has contract value, but I think Myers and Ed Davis are really the only two that have lowered their value. I think Harkless has increased it a little bit, especially since he's on a really good contract now. And I think Alan Crabb, yes, he's overpaid, but there's only three years left on that deal. Teams have seen what he can do when he starts and when he gets hot. I think his value is probably maybe up a notch or two, not super high as much as we really expected him this year. But I would still say um, his contract is not, you're like, oh my God, you're paying $20 million for that guy. You could see him go to Philly start and put up 17 a night. So I think Crab's Crab's value is is similar, if not a little bit higher than last year. I really think Myers and, and Ed are the only two that really took that drop off. And well, and Aminu, with because of the way he played in the playoffs and he just hasn't had a good year this season, unfortunately. I know he's, he has he's, been hurt, but again, I think yeah. you look at that contract two years after this year with like $8 million a year, uh, that defense, the ability to play the four and the three, the he has looked a lot better lately. I think teams would love to go after Alfred Camino. I don't think you're right. His value, he wasn't playing as good this year as he was last year, but that contract, man, like those contracts and those deals that were done before the salary cap boom, 
those are going to be like gold for GMs in the in the upcoming years. Yeah, I, I, I think he he has some value. I mean, you know what he is. We we know. Well, we've, yeah, and and the point that contract is a really good contract. Yeah, yeah I mean that, like, that, that's that's tradable. All right, fellas. Any other questions? No, I mean, hey, we we talked about these questions for like ten minutes. This emergency podcast is actually turning into an actual podcast. Yeah, this emergency podcast is only like ten minutes shorter than a regular episode. Uh, that goes to show you how real it is to be in Rip City. Blazer fans take their deals so seriously. I I really want to do another emergency podcast this this trade deadline. Hopefully, it's as positive as this one was. Again, Evan, thank you for joining us. Uh, I know you've been a longtime uh, guest, a frequent guest of, of the Holy Backboard podcast, but go ahead, let our listeners know where they can find you on social and um, at your website as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I go by the name of Evan M. Uh, my website's EvanM.com. Instagram is Evan M. PDX. It's E V A N E M PDX. Same thing on Twitter. Um, so those are the two main places you can find me. Website. Uh, would love to have some new followers. My mom said if we start up Evan M show, you'll be the oh. second, her second favorite uh, person ever that's been doing podcasts or radio shows. I think Dustin will always be first in her eyes. I mean, she bought. So what, what? You'd be third? No, I mean, I, I'd be out of all the guests. <laughs> No, oh, okay. I, I, I'm your, sure Dustin. Your mom got me a, a Christmas present, so I'm number one on that list. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you'd beat Dustin, but I definitely think you'd be number two out of everybody. So, I mean, I'm just, try, right, well, I'm, I'm just trying to encourage you to do another, uh, another yeah, show. Yeah, Eminem show. Yeah, so yeah, we uh, Sage and I do another show called the Eminem Show. It's been a while. I've been pretty slammed with stuff, but it's coming back. I'm, I'm efforting guests as we speak, so that's coming back, so people can look forward to that. And I think we'll, I think we'll be seeing you in the, in the next week or so too. So yes. it'll, be, it'll be fun. Any any last th- thoughts, Sage? Uh, yo, I'm looking for redemption this next week. So uh, keep tuned for what I'm talking about. But it, it's all about redemption for me. And uh, let's go Blazers! And uh, shout out Nordstroms. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!